Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. I'm excited for today. I, I, I'm just, um, if you guys don't know me, um, I mean, uh, you might have read like, you know, uh, these love languages book, you know, years ago, came out, Gary Chapman, and, and there's all kinds of different ways that you can communicate love and you hear and receive love. Well, I need you, mine is gifts. And so, um, uh, so today to me, it's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like a drug. Like, I just, I've been, I've been smiling since about Wednesday. My face hurts so bad. And, um, and it's just this, I just love, I, I love it, but I just need you to know that we don't believe that these kids need a, a, a bicycle more than anything in the world. I don't believe that kids need more toys uh, more than anything in the world. We don't believe that here, but what we believe is that, that sometimes, Mother Teresa said it in this way, sometimes before you can give somebody the bread of life, you just got to give them some bread. Like sometimes you just got to let them know like, hey, we're in this together. We're here for you. I've had bad days myself where I didn't know how it was all going to come together. And I just love knowing that as a church, we can be a part of that. Uh, we're not normally in here. So if you're brand new and you've never been to this church before, we're not normally in this room, but it came out kind of neat, didn't it? I mean, it's like, it's kind of cool. You can do church anywhere, I guess. I guess it's a whole just, you know, preach the Bible and love people thing. It's like a whole thing. It's sweeping the nation. Um, and so uh, it's just great. And, and, um, and I, I do got to warn you, though, this sermon will be uh, on, our, on our podcast on audio, but we're not going to film it because we didn't have enough lights in here to, you know, and you got to light this up. You know, you got to, it's just, amen. Can I get a good amen, Zach? Amen. Amen. So, hey, so if you're not, if you're new and you haven't been, uh, you haven't been checking us out, we've been in this series called Christmas Classics. And, and it's been this idea of God is just so faithful to speak to us uh, throughout his word. And what we saw in that first Christmas story was just God proving that he can be trusted. I mean, he was just, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, he was lining things up in ways that were bigger than maybe you've ever seen or even heard of. And if you've missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you to go back and you can pull those up online and, uh, and, and, and take a look at those because I, uh, I think there's some stuff in there that you'd probably never heard of before. Now today, I wanted to take a look at this thing that kind of happened, again, this precursor to the birth of Christ. It was a moment that uh, we might brush by a lot of times when we're getting to the Christmas story. Because Mary takes center stage, Joseph is freaking out, we, there's some wise men, we found out a couple weeks ago, there wasn't three of them, and they didn't get there till he was two, and there's a whole thing there, and so... We, we have all these kind of preconceived notions about what it looked like, but there was a, there was a story, there was a moment, there was a, a testimony that happened before all of this that marked me when I saw it. And, and I want to give it to you today. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke, and we're going to be in the first chapter of the book of Luke. And um, you might have heard uh, this story before, but this is, this lady that we're going to meet right here is the cousin, she's the first cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. 
His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. I'm going to stop. Aaron is the brother of Moses. Aaron kind of becomes the head of the Old Covenant, Old Testament church. Um, Out of his sons become the the, the priests. And he is... uh, uh, he, he, was the, he was the right-hand guy for, um, for Moses. And the reason that it's important to note this right now is the, the author, Luke, is making sure that you understand these, like, these people are good people. They're good people. They, they, they come from good stock. Like, they, they, they're all, they're people and their people's people have all served God. They've been faithful. And it's important to know that because I want you to see what they tell us about them next. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So they they, they kept the Sabbath. They were good people. They went to church. They were ushers. It was awesome. But then it says, but but then here's this. But it says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Now the author takes a moment to say, hey, listen, these are good people. I need you to understand this first before I go any farther in the story. These are good people, and they come from good people. And he goes on to say, and they're righteous. And they go to church, and they pray, and they read their Bibles, and they're just really nice folks, and, and they're ushers, and they all even serve in kids' ministry. I mean, they're those kind of people. Like, that's that, they're just amazing people. But then he says, uh, 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 and by the way, though, she has been carrying around a pain that, has, that is unspeakable. Not just in that season, but for all women for all time. She can't have a baby. Now, some of you might have ever experienced something like that. And I, I pray for you. I, I can't imagine what that frustration and, and what that would be like. And, 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 but you need to understand that it, it's not, it wasn't just a personal problem. This was a cultural problem. She would have been looked down on in a severe way because the woman's job in that society, her chief role, the greatest prayer of her life, and when they got married, the prayer that they would pray when they would join in marriage was that to give that man a son. See, there was, they, didn't have, um, they didn't have any other way to ensure that anything that I built in my life would ever get passed down and my name would ever be remembered unless I had a son. And the son's primary role was to make sure that you just didn't become forgotten and that your legacy would live on. But without a child, and as they begin to get older and older and older, like they're beginning to realize now, like this is never going to happen because he says not only can she not conceive, But then he goes on to add, and now she's old. Now in that society, they would have gotten gotten married at 13, 14, 15 years old. I know it sounds young to us now, um, but in that age, it just wasn't wasn't atypical for a, a young teenage girl to be married. So imagine this, if she is now past the age where she can have a baby... Uh, She's probably, uh, that age happens for different women at different times, but I mean, let's just say, let's say 40, 45, maybe is she 50? I don't know. They didn't give us the exact age, but what I know is that for 10, 20, 30 years, she has prayed for an answer that didn't come. Now, some of you came in here today and you feel that way because in your mind, you're going, God, I come from good people. 
Like, I, I, I've been doing things the right way. I mean, I come to church. You're here today. And God, I'm trying my best to live a life for you. Uh, but I haven't gotten my breakthrough. I thought we were going to have kids, and, and, we, and we didn't have kids. I, God, I thought, like, I didn't think I'd still be working so hard and kind of doing this job the, the way that I'm doing right now. Or God, I thought relationally I'd have some breakthrough. Or God, maybe it's in your, in your relationship with him. You just thought in this season, God, you would have just experienced more and just had some more breakthrough. And in your mind, you feel like Elizabeth and you feel like Zechariah today. And you're going, God, I thought this was going to look different than it does. But once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, that's a, a, a kind, of, kind of drawing of straws, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, I, and when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, I need to stop here and tell you, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you've ever seen the temple, there's, a, there's the, the, the court of women uh, where men and women could go. And it was in that same place on the stairs of ascension where Jesus met the woman who had been caught in adultery. And he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. But just inside of that place was a court known only for men. Only for Jewish men could go inside of there. And then just inside of that, now imagine these are 16 feet tall. There were doors that they would walk through that were 75 feet tall. And inside of those doors would be this place called the Holy of Holies. Now you need to understand what would be happening in this moment. This is a special moment. It's a once in a lifetime moment. The priest would come in. He would go through ceremonial cleaning and he would go through a ritual cleanse and there would be sacrifice offered to cleanse him of all impurity before he stepped into the Holy of Holies because if you went into the Holy of Holies with any kind of sin, unrepentant, then uh, you would probably die in the presence of God because God can't stand to be in the presence of anything that is evil. And so you know, they would go through all this ceremony and then then they would put on this garment and you gotta and, and they would tie bells to the bottom of the garment and there were bells all over the bottom of the priest's garment and so as he walked you hear clink 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 that's where jingle bells came from it's the song it's the origin of the song it's not true i made that part up and then um and they, they would tie the they, 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 they would tie the bells around him so that they could hear him pray and then they would begin to tie a rope around his waist and the reason that they would tie a rope around the waist is they weren't really sure if he had prayed and he had repented and offered sacrifice for everything. He seemed like a good enough guy, but we don't know if he, you know, had said some things, done some things that he's not very proud of and lied a little bit. And so they're getting ready to go in and they say, listen, Zach, we love you. Um, we got the bells on there because we're going to listen. We're just listening. Um, and if for some reason them bells stop jingling, um, you didn't pray enough. And we just, you know, we're not coming in after you. Because we ain't get, you, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I'm, and he said, he said, and then so they would take that rope, they would take that rope, and they would pull him back out. And this is how they would set it up. So the chief priests, they tie the bells around him, and they tie the rope around him, and you know he's thinking, Lord, help me, like everything he knows how to do, he's like, like he don't need just, and he goes walking inside this place. That he only would have gone into one time in his entire life. A rare and amazing opportunity. So he begins to walk inside and all the other priests are outside listening. For jingle bells. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. 
And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, hey, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're going to call him John. This child will be John the Baptist, the precursor of Jesus, the one that would have to lead the way in ministry for Jesus to show up, the cousin of Jesus. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Come on, you got to love that. Some of you are that way, you know. I could tell. You were a Pentecostal nine months before you got going. I could tell. And just... And he will bring, look at this, bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord and in the spirit and the power of Elijah, which is fulfilling a prophecy from hundreds of years earlier, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He said, your son is going to be pretty awesome. Now, Zechariah asked the angel, and this is infuriating. Well, how can I be so sure of this? Side note, and this is just a, let's just agree to this as a church. If a bush is on fire, but not burning up, and has a few loose instructions for you, just do what the bush says. Unless you're in Colorado, and then do not. Listen to what burning plants tell you to do. Don't. It's wrong. It's wrong. It ends in funyuns and a nap. Don't. Don't. <laughs> so if you've got, you've got this, this, this angel. Guys, I'm not talking about a fat baby with a harp and wings. I'm talking about an adult male angel. Probably looking all glistening. Probably, I mean, probably all jacked. I don't know if he has wings or if he doesn't have wings. I like to think of my angels with wings. He's jacked. He's got big old muscles. And he said, you've been praying a prayer for the last 30 years. And I showed up to this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to let you know. And the first thing you did... What's we'll say? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, it's not adding up. And he says this. I'm an old man. And look at this. This is how you know he was married. He said, I'm an old man. And my wife, he didn't call her old. He said, she's, but she's well along in years. How many of you know that man had gone through marriage counseling? That man had gone. He knew better. He said, he said I'm old. She's well along in years. I know better. And then the angel said to him, and it wasn't like in like a, eh, it was like a, I'm Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. I'm an adult male angel. <laughs> and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now, look at this. 
you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They're like, man, it's getting awful quiet. Can you imagine if he quit walking around, he feels that rope and they're like, they just pull that thing. He's like, I'm fine. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> He's trying to give it a little tug to see if there's any fight. <laughs> and when he came out, he could not speak to them. So you got to, I mean, you, you know they got to go, oh, he saw God. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs. I mean, what was that like? So he comes out and he's like, That's not going to translate on the audio podcast. The mic drop out? The mic dropped out. (laughs) When when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. You know what I believe? It's because he couldn't talk. (laughs) She was like, I don't know what it is, Zechariah. There's something about you. You've never been more attractive to me. What is it? He's like, he's like. She's like, oh, you're, there's just something special. Let's have a kid. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. Just waiting, praying. God, let this be true. She couldn't have gone down to CVS and get a test. She. She couldn't go down to a doctor and find out if the miracle had happened the way that they said it had happened. She had to wait and just wait. And I think that there was a part of her that went, that there was, there was, a, there was a joy in the wait and there was a pain in the wait because she said, God, I, I've been waiting for 30 years and now I've got to wait to even know if the miracle even happened. And just waiting. And then she said, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and has taken away my disgrace among the people. This thing that was, was, a, was a pain, was a shame, was a, was a burden in her life culturally and emotionally and maritally. I know they had fights about it. I know that there were days where Zechariah thought, oh my gosh, I... I, I, I knew I should have known better. I should have, I should have prayed more. I, God, are we being punished? And all the while, the Bible says that they're being righteous. And what's amazing about their life was even in the moments where everything seemed to be going opposite to what they were desiring, they stayed righteous in the wait. But I think we make a mistake sometimes when we say God showed up. The angels showed up that day, but I need you to understand something. I would say it to you in this way. When God shows up, it's because he was always there. Like he was always there. But we like to say God showed up. No, so I'll say it. Let me give it to you in this way. God didn't show up. God didn't show up. I'll say it like this. At the moment we see God, it's because we finally showed up to the place that he had been preparing for us. Like we got there. Not God didn't all of a sudden go, oh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, I forgot about you. 
It was there was something in the works that just might have been bigger than them that God was working on. And we like to say that God showed up. But church, I'm here to tell you today, God is there. He's waiting for you to show up. He's waiting for you to show up and say, God, I'm going to trust you. If it's five years, if it's 10 years, if it's 20 years, God, I'm going to trust you for breakthrough on your timing because you're that good. And as a loving father, a blessing at the wrong time becomes a curse. And so, God, I trust you. And you haven't forgotten about you. You haven't forgotten about me. And you're not going to forsake me. So if you're taking notes, I'll give it to you in this way. We got to understand this. There is a difference in God's will and God's timing. There's a difference in his will and his timing. Guys, his love for you is great. What he wants for your life, what he wants for your family. But if you haven't gotten breakthrough yet, it's not because he doesn't love you. I guarantee you it is because he does. A blessing at the wrong time becomes a curse. My son, he's eight and a half, wants to drive. If I give it to him now, he kills everybody. There's going to be a time, eight years from now, where I'm going to hand him a set of keys. His father loves him, but loves him so much that a thing that he would just have to do right now would actually be the thing that would undo him right now. Sometimes we haven't gotten breakthrough, not because we're being punished, but because there is just something happening that's bigger than all of us. I love it when they, he reminds us, and they were both righteous. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all his commandments and the statutes of the Lord, but they had no child. In 2 Peter, it says it in this way, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's like, I'm not being slow. I don't work on your timeline. This is a tough time of year for us, right? If you have kids, if anybody in here has kids, it's a tough time because this is the time where they know something special is coming and they have to wait. They have to wait. My kids touch everything on the tree every day. You have to tell them to stop. They pick up everything under the tree and they kind of give it that And I'm, put it down. You can't open it. Well, can we just get one today? How about we just open one? What is one? It's one. It's not even all of them. I just want to do one. I'm like, no, you got to. And what we forget, like sometimes, is we think sometimes we're waiting and God is allowing us to wait because he's forgotten about us or doesn't love us. Sometimes he's allowing us to wait because he knows we're the only people he can trust to wait. See, babies, little kids can't wait on anything. My two-year-old daughter, you get her milk and you get it now. You will do it. This is not a question. I have issued a decree that I need milk. And if you do not give me milk, then you are going to experience what every parent knows is a syndrome called no bones. No bones is the act where a child that previously weighed 17 pounds now has legs that weigh 372 pounds, but their upper body is now made out of the stuff that's in front of car dealerships. And you have to pick up this thing that is lead-based in the bottom, totally fluid upstairs, <laughs> gone full no bones. But the older that we get, I think the more God can trust us, you're just going to have to wait. Not because I don't love you, 
But, and we don't like to hear this, but because even though you might be in a situation that isn't great right now, you are not in fact, and this is going to be revelatory information for you, it was for me, we are not the actual center of the known universe. It might actually be Jesus. So there's a difference in his will and his timing. And number two, I would say this. We need to listen more and we need to speak less. I look at a world today that makes a lot of definitive statements out there in the old interwebs. But the Bible tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I need you to see something about this story that the angel did not silence Zechariah because he had questions. I need you to understand that your questions will never make God less God. Like, your questions are actually safe to bring to your heavenly father. God, I don't understand why you've made me wait. You know, that's a fair question you can ask him. You may not get an answer that you like or one in the timing that you want, but he he doesn't make him less God and he's actually okay with it and he's not going to be mad at you for asking a question. God, I don't understand why that relationship went sideways. God, I don't understand why I haven't gotten that job. God, I don't understand how this works. You know, your questions will never make God less God. I think sometimes in the church, we've done a bad job of making you believe that if you come into this thing with questions, that you should be silent about your questions. He was not silenced that day because he had questions. He was silenced that day because he had been praying for something for 30 years. And the second he got breakthrough, he never said thank you. And we spend our entire life, I would say it to you in this way, the thing that you are cursing today is the prayer that you prayed for a year ago. Remember when you were begging God for children and then you're begging God to take them? You prayed. You remember the day that you found out we're having a kid and then, and then you realize like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot of work. They're exhausted. You remember that time? God, if you'll just give me a job, any job, any job, God, you give me a job and I'm just going to praise your name. And you in church, you're fasting and weeping. The altar's full. We didn't even do an altar call and you came down. Just like, just praying. Just God, I'll, God, just give me any job. I'll do anything. I'll go in early. I'll stay late. Two weeks later, they don't like me. I don't like this thing. They ain't paying me enough. I'm going to have to find something else. And God's going, the thing that you prayed for, the blessing that you begged him for, is the thing that you're shaking your fist at him for now. And Zechariah said, how's this going to happen, man? I'm old. And my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said, you be quiet now. Because you begged God for something for 30 years, and the second you got breakthrough, you started shaking your fist and not saying thank you. You want breakthrough and you want to live well in the season of the wait, you have to get an attitude of gratitude. You got to get an attitude of gratitude. And I think sometimes we just, we have, just, we have an ungrateful spirit about us. I mean, I, 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 and, I, and, and it kind of, I think it blows the mind of God that we would just, that we would always kind of come to him and say, God, if you'll just do this, we do a lot of if thens, right? God, if you'll just, God, if you, who's ever said, God, if you'll just get me out of this, huh? God, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll be in church tomorrow. I swear. And then the alarm clock goes off and you're like, God, appreciate you getting me out, but I'll give it a shot next Sunday. Like I just, I know we had a deal, but 
Well, you knew I was dishonest when we started this relationship, so <laughs> it's not entirely on me. <laughs> Proverbs eighteen thirteen says it in this way. To answer before listening, it's folly and shame. He said, we're talking too much. We didn't even say thank you. And I'm going to tell you, in the season of wait, before you start going, God, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. Before you start to get frustrated, before you start to quit on a relationship, before you start to quit on a church, before you start to quit on a friend, before you start to quit on your relationship with God, why don't you first just sit down and write down a list of all of the things that you're thankful for. And when you begin to write down all of the ways that he's blessed you and all of the things that you're thankful for, I think the list of, of areas of shortcoming get really, really small. And I can't tell you how many days that I've gone to God needing and knowing I had to have something. And if I didn't get it, everything was just going to fall apart in my life. I began to pray the way that he told us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I just started to say, thank you, God, for all that you are and all you're doing. And remembered that daily bread isn't what started the relationship. And by the time I got through thanking him for all the things that he had done and all that he is in my life, I didn't even get to the give me the daily bread part. An attitude of gratitude. God didn't promise the righteous or the unrighteous a life of ease. But he does promise that you can experience this in your life. Number three, that God himself is bringing life to the barren place. And the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. When God shows up, it's because he has always been there. I'll say it like this again. At the moment that we see God, it's because we finally showed up to the place that he had been preparing for us. And you go, God, I don't understand. I mean, I... I don't understand, like I thought I'd have the job by now. I thought I'd have the girl by now. I thought I'd have the kid by now. I, I thought I'd have breakthrough by now. God, why are you waiting? I imagine that Elizabeth and Zechariah sat around week after week and month after month and each month the same, believing that this month was the month where everything had come together and we would experience our breakthrough and that month turned into another month. And then a year piled onto a year and then a decade piled onto a decade and she's going, God, I think that you forgot about me. And then an angel showed up and said, I didn't forget about you, but I need you to understand something. You're a part of a bigger story. See, your cousin, you remember little Mary? Elizabeth, you're, you're an old lady now. But that Mary, she's a kid. But there's something special about Mary. In fact, I've picked her. She's going to have the hardest job in the world. She's going to have a child. That from the beginning of that child's life until the end, that mama will know what only that mama can know. She's going to have to say goodbye. She's young and she's never been with a guy before and so this angel's going to show up and he's going to tell this little girl that she's going to have a baby. And I imagine she's going to have some questions and I believe she's probably going to begin to doubt what I can do in a person's life. So she's going to come find you. And the Bible tells us that when the angel visited Mary, the very next thing she did 
Well, she went off to find a six-month pregnant Elizabeth. No ultrasound pictures. No CVS test. But a bump. And Mary was able to touch that miracle. And it gave her the faith to hold on to her own. And I imagine in the moment that Mary walked in the door. And the Bible says that because John had been filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. The Bible says that the baby leapt in her belly. Because God being three in one. He went, hey, it's you. It's me. We're here together. <laughs> and in that moment, don't you know that Elizabeth went, oh, that's why I had to wait. Ah, I see it. God, even if you would have brought me a miracle 10 years ago, Mary would have only been five. You weren't being slow. You were giving Mary time to get in position. You hadn't forgotten about me. You were making a move to save the whole world. And you let me, just in my faithfulness in the wait, hang on long enough to not just see a miracle happen in my life, but to be the strength necessary for little Mary to believe that the miracle had just happened in hers. Sometimes your weight is not about you. Sometimes your weight is because God is doing something through you that if you'll just stay planted, stay in your season, just don't give up, keep going. God is going to be faithful. And I love that he used her miracle to strengthen the resolve of a lady who had just experienced a miracle. I need you to know, sometimes you not quitting is the faith that somebody else needs to keep from quitting. Just hold on. God, I don't know how you do it. You're so much bigger than all of us. But I love seeing this thing that in that moment, this thing that you thought was dead, this thing that you thought that God had forgotten about, he loves you and he's moving in your life. So today, my challenge, church, don't quit. But for some of you today, if you're honest, you did. In fact, even being here today, if you're honest, it, it's almost a, a last-ditch effort for you with church and Jesus, maybe family, maybe kids. You're just at your wit's end. You're tired of the wait. I need you to know that you walked into a place that have seen miracles. So maybe you can borrow our faith for a little while to hold on long enough until you get yours. And for some of you today, it's just this simple. Today is the day that you, for you to say, Jesus, today in the best way I know how I give you my life. I've been going through motions, but I am a, I'm a hole on the inside and I don't know how to fill it. And God is so faithful. 
Some of you gave up on God because of a wait. And I need you to hear today that only the righteous can wait. Some of you need some faith. You don't believe that your marriage can get turned around. You don't believe that you can get breakthrough in your job. You don't believe that that son is coming home. You don't believe that you can get breakthrough. I know you don't have the faith for that right now. We do. We do. Because we've seen him do it. And we'll watch him do it again. And in that space between what you've been promised and the miracle that you're going to get to see, sometimes you just need borrow faith. Let's pray. God, we love you. Church, right there, would you just pray it in this way? I, I, I know God's speaking to you and to every heart in this place. Just say, God, I, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I need you. I haven't been good at the wait. Today, right now, Father, in the best way that we know how, we ask you, God, forgive us of our sins. And God, give us the grace to be changed. God, I don't need a refurbished heart. I need a new one. For some of us, God, we gave our life to you years ago, but we have grown weary in the wait. God, would you give us the faith to hold on? Maybe even for some of us, just borrowing that faith from somebody else. God, would you remind us today that the thing that we prayed for that has now begun to feel like a curse or a burden was the thing that we begged you for. Would you give us a heart of gratitude? Call us back into love with you and thanking you and gratitude for the things that you've done in our life. God, can you surround us with relationships that would give us the faith to just keep moving, even in the moments where breakthrough doesn't seem possible? Jesus, today we give you everything we've got. We give you our life. We give you everything, God. Change us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.